Welcome to the podcast, everybody. You're on the Professional Statisticians Network podcast, and today we've got Dr. Richard Saldana with us. Dr. Richard Saldana is an expert in statistical machine learning and quantitative finance. He co-heads Oxquant, a management consultancy business involved in artificial intelligence, machine learning advisory work in finance, and other knowledge-based industries. Rich has worked in quantitative finance for over 23 years and has held senior roles in both asset management and investment banking at major institutions in the City of London in the areas of risk management, trading and investments. Richard holds a doctorate in statistics from the University of Oxford. He is a fellow and chartered statistician of the Royal Statistical Society, a member of the Institution of Engineering and Technology and a member of the Institute of Mathematical Statistics. Richard, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you, Marie. It's a pleasure to be here. Would you like to start by telling us a bit about your career and how you kind of got started and where you've gone with it over the years? Well, um, yes. I mean, I'm very passionate about statistics, statistics, mathematics. I'm uh, a very good applied guy. Uh, and that really is something I've used throughout my career. Um, I guess my sort of career in finance kicked off at uh, Her Majesty's Treasury. Um, I was an intern there in the late 80s. Uh, when Nigel Lawson was chancellor. Um, but I did do some really interesting work, um, looked at the um, Treasury Stock Exchange Wider Share Ownership Survey, and I was playing with um, options pricing, um, certainly looking at implied volatility um, as long ago as that. Um, and that has basically uh, set me on the path in terms of finance, because I've continued to sort of play with derivatives, so on and so forth, as my career has progressed. And I guess I've, I've progressed through manager, director, managing director. I've um, run my own hedge fund, um, worked for a US investment bank. Um, I've worked for a large asset manager. Um, and I've sort of, in many ways, come full circle now in running my own business. I'm running Oxquant Consulting. Um, and we are a, a knowledge-based business. Um, we provide services to knowledge-based firms, and um, I still apply my trade uh, in terms of mathematics and statistics. Richard, what would you say um, a knowledge-based industry would consist of? Well, it's any industry that really uses intellectual input um, and key in terms of um, practical implementation um, is data. Um, I mean, that, that is, is, you know, everyone's talking about data these days. And that is something that um, one has to get right um, at a very basic level. I've seen many firms that are completely at sea in terms of um, their data. Um, they don't have a good data backbone. They don't have systems that talk to each other. They think that sort of um, AI, machine learning is all sort of um, um, a panacea. Is going to solve, solve, solve all their problems overnight, but it isn't magic. Very often, um, firms' problems are solved by actually just getting, you know, organizing their data in the right way, collecting the right data. That's often, often a failing that we see. And from there, you've got a real springboard for success. I mean, as you, as you know, Marie, if um, any type of analysis uh, typically, 75% of it involves actually preparing, preparing one's data. 
um, getting it in the right form. The actual analysis is generally straightforward after that. I can apply any, you know, any weird and wonderful machine learning technique I care to once I have my data in the right form. Would you say that you fit the traditional profile of a statistician? Well, um, yes and no, I think. I mean, I, I really am a commercial guy, um, but I do have a sort of a strong academic back, background, although my, my, the, going back further, my past is somewhat checkered. We can, we can get into that. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, you know, with a doctorate in statistics, um, I'm set on the path. To, I mean, that really is a prerequisite for um, teaching, teaching uh, and research um, at a university. What I've done is I've taken those school skills and um, actually undertaking a doctorate is, is excellent training for um, being able to think, um, being able to research. And I've basically applied them um, in, in industry. And actually finance is one of those industries where the... Um, the gap between sort of theoretical work and practical work is 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 fairly small. Um, lots of other industries um, struggle to use people with um, research training properly. So when you say you've got a checkered past, how does this impact on the kind of trajectory that your career's taken? Because it sounds like maybe you didn't start off as a pure statistician and then carry on with that. What have you kind of done within your own career? Well, the checkered past really goes back to, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to disclose, goes back to my early school career. I went to uh, failing in the London Comprehensive School and um, I passed out with um, two O-levels. Uh, one in English and the other in maths. So I've got, I've got the basics, as it were. Now, I finished up at Oriel College, Oxford, but um, I, I rather had to do, as a graduate student, I rather had to do that the, the hard way. Um, I've always loved mathematics. Um, I always felt, call me arrogant, even though I didn't have the grace to support it, that I was good at the subject. Uh, I think I've probably proved that now. I'm not a deep theoretician. I'm a very good applied guy, hence my ability to sort of apply um, research ideas in a practical setting, uh, in a commercial setting. Do you think that the business acumen that you've um, accumulated can be in some instances more important than being able to manipulate data and apply theory to different situations? Um, well, I think, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm one does need rigor. I think to undertake any type of analysis properly, um, uh, one needs to know what one's talking about, basically. So um, you have to have that. But having um, having nous in terms of uh, you know being able to conduct business, being able to um, uh, pitch for business, uh, actually um, land it, um, that's when the these you know the other skills um, come in. And I mean, um, one builds these skills up over time. I mean, I've interacted with, with, with a lot of people. In many ways, a lot of the corporate roles that I've held have had me acting effectively as an internal consultant, uh, even though you know, I'm on the payroll in, in, a senior, in a senior role. So what I've done is I've sort of harnessed that experience and used that outside in terms of, in terms of um, um, the consulting that I undertake independently. As an entrepreneur yourself, 
would you have any advice for um, statisticians or um, anybody in the data field really that felt that they wanted to go out and be a consultant? Yes, a um, couple of bits of advice. Uh, certainly in the current climate, um, plan, 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 plan. Um, don't jump ship without, um, without a firm plan in mind. Um, number one, if you can organize some work before you actually take the plunge, um, that would be uh, hugely beneficial. I actually set up um, Oxquant in 2001. I actually resigned from my role at Lehman Brothers, um, sold my last shares at $85, by the way, um, and, um, and went alone. Um, I had a client set up. It was actually another investment bank, and I was effectively a quant trader for that bank, but as an independent, as Oxquant. In the meantime, I've actually um, drifted in and out of um, doing my own thing on a, from an entrepreneurial point of view and actually working uh, more formally for larger corporates. Um, for the last sort of three or so years, though, I'm, uh, I've been uh, co-managing Oxquant with um, my friend and business partner, Drago Injic. Um, so um, advice, yes. Um, so I've said, I've mentioned planning. I've mentioned maybe um, having a, um, uh, uh, something to perhaps go to immediately after you take that plunge. The other thing that I've worked on really hard uh, for decades, in fact, is building up an excellent network. And I can't um, stress how important it is to have a really good network if you are going to go it alone. I mean, those aren't the only elements, of course. Uh, there are plenty of other things to think about. But I mean, armed with those three ideas, I think um, that's a good starting point. Having talked about entrepreneurship, do you think it's important to keep up with different types of tools? Because you mentioned you're involved in AI and machine learning. Do you think that because there's been a lot of change recently in, in things like, you know, you need to learn R, you need to learn Python. How important do you think it is to keep up with that changing landscape? Well, I think it's hugely important, Marie. Um, however, I'm going to I'm going to sort of um, uh, suggest uh, something else as well. A lot of the techniques that people think are cutting edge have actually been around for a long time, and decades, in fact. I teach machine learning at uh, Queen Mary University of London um, in the School of Economics and Finance. This is on an MSc course, MSc in Economics and Finance, and uh, machine learning is an elective course. I teach a large dose of statistical inference. And um, students are often surprised when I, when I talk about, um, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk about random forests, but I talk about bootstrap aggregation. I talk about classification and regression trees. One has to understand all those things in order to understand sort of random forests, which most people think is a very new and exciting machine learning technique. These ideas have been around for a long time. So that's that's on the one hand. On the other hand, yes, I think it is important to to you have to keep your knowledge fresh. Um, in terms of the cutting edge machine learning AI that we're involved in, we're involved in a project at the Alan Turing Institute, and that is a control project, uh, reinforcement learning control project. It's actually a, a platform for uh, a competition platform uh, that we're setting up. We're very flattered to be um, industrial collaborators. Um, on 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 that on that project, um, but there you know these these sort of elements that I've spoken about are poles apart. You mentioned R and Python. Yeah, I mean I think any 
statistician. I'm going to stick with statistician. I'm not going to mention um, the other monikers that uh, people like to adopt, those people that handle sort of maths and data. Um, they, um, uh, you, you, if you're worth your salt, you should be able to, you should be able to turn your hand to them. Um, I'm agnostic in terms of sort of uh, programming tools. Um, I can basically program in anything. Um, never had any training. Um, completely self-taught. I refer to myself as a hacker. Uh, that was misconstrued at a certain talk I gave at the um, at uh, um, UCL um, by a number of the audience. I had to explain not an actual hacker, but basically, I you know my code is a hack generally. If I need military-grade code, I will generally give a working prototype to a professional programmer. And I fully appreciate how good professional programmers are in terms of their training and their ability to turn out excellent code uh, in a commercial setting. Final question for you. Where do you think the lines kind of blur at this point between um, AI, machine learning, programming, um, statistics? Because it seems like the statistician's job is a really wide-ranging and you know, constitutes a, a huge area of, of theory. Where would you say, do you think it stops anywhere or do you think it just carries on into different industries? Look, I think statistics is an extremely generic subject. Um, you know, one can apply techniques in, in all sorts of settings. Um, for example, survival analysis is actually was used for sort of analyzing drug efficacy originally. We've actually used it for modeling hedge funds. Um, so it is a very generic subject. I think the lines are completely blurred when it comes to AI, machine learning, um, data analysis, uh, you know, all these things. Um, but it's completely valid for a statistician to be involved in all of them. In terms of sort of AI, machine learning specifically, we use, we use the terms interchangeably. I actually don't think that AI exists, true AI, hard AI and is not going to exist for decades. And when I talk about hard AI, I'm really talking about um, an algorithm, a machine that basically thinks and behaves in multiple settings as you, as you would expect a reasonable human being to sort of behave. We're nowhere near that. However, there are um, some really interesting things going on. Uh, DeepMind um, is, 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 you know, the work they're doing that's been done there has been widely reported. Uh, the work on protein folding, for example, is really novel and is superior to sort of collective human efforts. Uh, I'm a bit of a chess player, and I, uh, I particularly like the work that was done with um, AlphaZero, uh, which is a, you can think of it as a general algorithm because it can play chess, it can play shogi, Japanese chess, and it can also play Go, um, at superhuman strength in all those in all those three games. Obviously, the games are to some extent they, they share some similarities in terms of the algorithm that's used and, and strategies that are adopted, but they are different games. So there you have a general algorithm that's used in sort of different settings. Well, Richard, we've come to the end of our interview, and as much as I could interview you all day, thank you very much for being on this episode of the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Marie, and thank you very much for inviting me.